Let the word of God be an umpire in your heart. Let the word of God, you may say, no, that's not what I saw. No, that's not what I heard. No, that's not what I feel. This is what's going to rule. This is what's going to dictate. Nothing else. Amen. Exodus 14. And starting in verse 24, it says this, now it came to pass. Say, the time is now. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. The Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians, in other words, upon the enemy, and through the pillar of fire and cloud at which he put there. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians. The Lord is seated on the throne, reigning and ruling over the nations. Amen. He is reigning and he's ruling. His word still stands. The word of the Lord still stands. Amen. And so the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians by taking off their chariot wheels. I mean, that's pretty comical, right? It's pretty funny. But he literally just took off their chariot wheels, and he says, so that they drove with great difficulty. They, they drove with great difficulty. I mean, what stops the Lord from pursuing after you and destroying the enemy? If he needs to take off their chariot wheels so that it becomes difficult for them to travel, then so be it. He'll do whatever he needs to do. Isn't that right, Teresa? He'll do whatever is needed to be done, but there's nothing that's going to limit the hand of God in our lives. Say, we just know that we're on the side of favor. So I'm on the side of favor. Because I'm on the side of favor, those chariot wheels are coming down. And whatever their chariot wheels look like in your life or that enemy in your life, whatever it looks like, well, I'll tell you, those chariot wheels are coming off. They're coming off. They're coming off. They thought they were going to pursue ungodly, unrighteous living. They thought they were going to pursue an unhealthy way of living. But those chariot wheels are coming off in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we think we got the word of promise on this. We've got the word of promise on this. And no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And we know that when we pray, our prayers availeth much. And we know that when we pray, we too coming into agreement that the Lord hears our prayer. And he says, oh, okay, you're praying according to the word of God. It is done. And it is being done right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I wanted to start there in that, in that chapter because over in 2 Thessalonians, and you can turn here if you like, 2 Thessalonians and in 1.6. It reiterates the same principle, but it's in the New Testament. Lest someone tries to tell you that's Old Testament. Say, I'm sorry, but it's the whole Bible. Second Thessalonians 1.6 says, He will repay with tribulation those who troubled you. He will repay with tribulation those who trouble you. See, you do not need to worry. You do not need to fret. As a matter of fact, don't. Don't fret. Don't worry because it's sin. Don't fret and don't worry. But know that the Lord will, knows exactly how to trouble that or whom troubles you. 
Amen? I don't know about you, but that gives me great courage. That gives me great courage. This word says in Isaiah 49, 25, I will contend with those who contend with you. Hallelujah. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion. That means God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. His kingdom is from, is from generation to generation. Did you know that was in scripture? His kingdom is from generation to generation is Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 and in verse 34, it tells and it says that his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the royalty, the rule, and the reign. So his royalty, rule, and reign is forever. It is forever. See, it's from generation to generation. So no matter what generation you're born in, God's kingdom is still standing. God's kingdom is still ruling. God's kingdom will still rule no matter what generation you were born in. And in the, other, in the next generations that they're born, God's kingdom is still going to stand. It's everlasting. Say it's everlasting. Generation to generation. His dominion. Hallelujah. So the prophet Daniel dislodged a powerful demonic principality, principality of Persia that is, by his prayer and fasting, right? And his prayer and his fasting declared that God's word would stand. When we prayed just now with the intercession, and for most of you, you might also be, I've called a fast, so I, I would think that everyone here, most likely, is also fasting. Prayer and fasting. In prayer and fasting, those demons flee. Those demons fall in prayer and fasting. Daniel was a prophet, and this prophet was powerful. He was powerful because he understood the obedience unto God and how important it was to be obedient unto God, even though horrific things had happened in his life. He was sold out. He was committed. And because he was committed, God's favor was upon his life. And God's favor brought him from one place to another place to another place and continued to raise him up. And Daniel had chosen in his heart, way before anything even came about, to be a man on fire. He says that he was going to walk with an excellent spirit. And he already made that decision to walk with an excellent spirit. So, Church of God, I would ask you, have you made that decision to walk with an excellent spirit? Not just here, but every day of your life. To walk with an excellent spirit is a decision of being sold out, no matter what. Amen. Amen. Now let's turn to John chapter 1 and in verse 12. But as many as received him, Jesus, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So the word right is the word I want to focus on right now, that word right. That word right is legal authority and power. To those, it says, but as many as received him, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the legal right and authority and power. Say legal right, authority, and power. To become children of God. See, one of the greatest revelations that you'll ever receive is who you are in Christ. One of the greatest revelations that you'll receive, not just who Christ is in you, but who you are in Christ. Because when you know who you are in Christ, that he gave you the right, which is that privileged authority, that power, 
he gave you to those who received him. Did you receive him? You received him. So he's given you this legal right. It's important that you know that you have a legal right because the enemy is a legalist. He wants to come against you, and unfortunately, many times he succeeds. He succeeds when the Christian does not know their legal right, when the Christian does not know their legal position, their steadfast legal position, their right to be a child of God. You think child of God and you think infancy. You think child, childlike, you know, but God says yes to have a childlike faith, but you're no child. Make no mistake of this. You're not a child. In other words, your faith, okay, in Christ, that he's giving you this legal right, this authority, and this power, goes far beyond what a child would understand. You have been given this right in Christ to really defy the assignments of the enemy. You have been given this right to stand up knowing that as an ambassador of Christ, when you walk in, everything else that's not of God must leave. You have the right and you have the understanding of knowing that when you enter into an area that everything that is not of God is going to shift because you're there. And you've seen it. You've seen it. You've seen it. You walk into a room and all of a sudden everyone stops talking. All of a sudden you can tell, you notice, you go, what happened? Everybody was, and everyone just starts to act differently because you arrived. You got there. And what happened? What is all that about? Well, the spirit of God on the inside of you has just brought conviction to who they serve and to them, the, their vessels in and of itself. Just being there brings conviction. Just being there. And the more time that you spend in the Holy of Holies, in the secret place with the Most High God, the more time that you spend in that place, the more that you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself because even if you were to try to shut up, everything would be oozing out of you anyway. Just, just, they just take one look at you and they see you're different. But this is God's intention. This is actually the heart of God. When Jesus walked on earth, they kept trying to make him, they were trying to make him fit a mold. <laughs> they tried. It wasn't going to work. They tried. You know, they kept trying to put him back and shut him up and disqualify him and, and say things that he said that he didn't say. And, you know, they were constantly trying to come against him. But yet what was happening? Who he was was still coming out. And those that had an ear to ear and eyes to see were seeing it and hearing it. Right? And so there are people that you're called to minister to, and there are people that you're called to bring conviction to. You are. You're called to bring conviction to certain people. So stop apologizing for things that God actually sets you up to actually bring conviction to. Some people are apologizing for things that they were actually supposed to actually bring conviction to. It's good. It's good. Jesus brought conviction to people. If you have a legal right, which we just got done reading... That legal right is for you to actually stand for truth. That legal right is actually for you to stand and bring his kingdom. Well, his kingdom is who he is, Jesus. It's who Christ is. And there is no mixture in that. And it's going to bring conviction. Gospel of John and chapter 1, verse 9. It says, that was the true light, capital L, this is Jesus, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, the Passion Translation reads like this. For the light of truth was about to come into the world and shine upon everyone. That light was about to come to the world, into the world and shine upon everyone, but not everyone was going to receive it. 
But that doesn't change the fact that he who is light was coming to shine upon everyone. When you come into a room, you're shining upon everyone. They may not all receive you, but you're coming to shine upon the light of Christ upon them. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. I want you to think about this. He entered into the very world that he created. They didn't receive him. And they still rejected him. Isn't that incredible? When you think about the fact that he created this world and he created all that's in it, but yet when he came as a human, they rejected the very one that created it all. And in spite of all that, that he would love us so much that he would still give up his life for us. That he would love us so much that he would still spill his own blood for us. It's incredible. It's incredible. But yet he continued to walk and he continued to do the will of God. And so here us, we know that when we continue to walk and do the will of God, even in spite of the persecution, even in spite of any difficulty that you may have, right? We know that we are fulfilling our mandate. We're fulfilling our calling, which is the, to bring God's kingdom here on earth and to literally release it. You release God's kingdom. Do you release God's kingdom everywhere you go? We release God's kingdom everywhere you go. The more that you're in the presence of God the more you will be able to release that kingdom. When we come here together, we come and we just let the spirit of the living God move through us, don't we? We come and we just let God move and we get empowered, we get healed. There's so many different things that come about and that happen, deliverance, we, you know, all kinds of, of um, restoration. I mean, you name it, so much happens, right? But how about your own quiet time? How about Psalm 91? Mm, he who abides uh, in the shadow of the Almighty, right? How about Psalm, Psalm 91? When you abide in the secret place, and for the length of time that you abide in the secret place will determine the victories in your life. You want more victory? Abide more. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you know, that whose power no foe can withstand. You know that. No foe, no enemy can withstand the power of God. So when you abide in the secret place, one of the things, because you get so much, but one of the things, is your confidence in who you are in Christ grows. I just got done telling you that the greatest revelation that you can have and receive is really who you are in Christ. See, I think that when we first get saved, most of us, we don't know this incredible treasure that's been given to us. We know a little bit, but we don't know it to the extent. I mean, how can you? It's incredible. It's just beyond it's, it's beyond what you can grasp in one time, right? So he who lives in us is greater than he who lives in the world. And we start to really understand who we are in him. And we understand that the more that we spend time in the secret place, the more that we allow his presence to just saturate us, the more we're going to ooze out the oasis that he's just filled us with. This, this vast amount of unending supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And all we say when we do, oh, we just want more. 
We just want more. Lord, we just want more. We thank you for the more. We thank you for the more. See, we come here and we're pretty, and we're pretty free. I, I, I would say this is a very free church. In other words, not lawless, not free like lawless, like rebelliousness. Oh, no. I mean free as in wanting the fullness of God and, and being unashamed about it. Being unashamed. Yeah, we, there's no like, there's, we just want him. So if it looks ridiculous, so be it. But now I got to ask you a question. So you do that here, praise God. But what about in your own quiet time in the secret place? What about in your own quiet time? Do you allow the Lord to come and meet you where you are at? Do you allow the Spirit of God to really minister to you when it's just you and him? Because he is beckoning you to do this. I'll tell you, make room for God's power to fill you, to touch you, to equip you in this way. Just lift your hands up. When you're in your own time, lift your hands up and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me to the overflow. You will start to find, if you don't already find, that, find this out, if you're, you're going to start to find out that in your quiet time, there are things that God is going to start doing and showing you and being for you that you'll be like, oh, my goodness, I thought I was free when I went to church. This is beyond anything like that. It's beyond. Okay, half of you believe me. It is true. I, I want to flip it. I want to just say it like this, and maybe it will help others understand. When we come together and we pray, we, we come and we pray, and, and, and you can pray, and the more you get comfortable with it, you're, you're free. You're free to, to pray, right? But um, when you're by yourself, I mean all alone, is there not a freedom over your life to pray like nobody's business? Is there not like you'll be like, wow, I don't pray like that when I'm just in a group of two or three. But when you're by yourself, all of a sudden, now why is that? Why is there is something about intimacy with Christ that just it doesn't measure up to anything else. It just doesn't. Like there's a freedom that God gives us here absolutely in a corporate setting. Yes, yes. But you know what? It, when you're by yourself, there is such a freedom that God wants to bring you to that so you will find, you'll, you'll be shocked about what God wants to do. But if this is all that you have, in a form of intimacy with the Lord, if this is all that you have, then you're missing a huge component. You're missing a huge component of really just having that time of one-on-one. -on -one. And for some of you, maybe in your homes right now, you can't. Maybe you're not alone ever in your home. Maybe there's people that work in your home 24-7. And you don't have that freedom right now because seasons change. Get into your car. And drive someplace where you can be alone, where you can park that car, and you could just be free and pray. But don't miss the opportunity daily to pray and to seek his face in an intimate, powerful way. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's go back to verse 2 now. Psalm 91. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence, and he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Let's go back up to the, to the end of verse 3, where it says that he will deliver you from not just the snare of the fowler, but from the perilous pestilence. Perilous pestilence 
is a deadly disease of affecting a community. But the Lord says in his word, he says he will deliver you from the pestilence, the perilous pestilence. He will deliver you from COVID. He will deliver you from any perilous pestilence. Don't give any room to fear. When you give room to fear, you've given an open door to the enemy to attack. And we're not going to let him do that because we've been given the legal right, which is the authority, right, to be able to do and to stand according to his word. When I was preparing for this message, the Lord was saying the word governed is so, so important to do everything that I've been telling you about already today. And it's in Romans 8, 6. So let's, let's turn to Romans 8, 6. I love it because a life that is lived in Christ is the most victorious life, and it's a life that's filled with peace and joy. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'm reading from the New King James. So spiritually minded is life and peace, right? In another version, it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Governed by the flesh? The mi a mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. The word governed is to exercise control. It's to exercise control or continuous, to exercise a continuous sovereignty over, in other words, to rule. The word governed. So to exercise continuous sovereignty or authority over. Something that's trying to be or become an authority over you, to rule. So the mind that's governed by the flesh, a mind that is ruled by your flesh, a mind that is continuously trying to have authority and let your flesh rule, right? That, that mind is, is actually death, right? But the mind that's controlled or ruled by the spirit is life and peace. That's why when you said yes to Jesus, and as you learn to walk in the peace of God, you learned that there is peace and there is joy in Christ. And the world does not know of this peace. They don't know of this joy. They don't know how could they, because their life, their mind is still being governed by what? The carnal mind, by the flesh. Their mind is still being governed by what they want. But when we let the Spirit of God rule in our hearts like an umpire, because Christ is our peace. At any moment, at any time, when there's something that tries to steal you, steal that peace from you, you need to remember, oh no, I am not going to allow my mind to govern me. I will let my spirit, the spirit of the living God, govern me. Because I'm going to walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. Amen? There's victory. When you, when you allow your mind, if you think back for a moment or just think of somebody that's not serving God, there's no peace. The only kind of happiness they may have, is, you know, is temporary. And it's circumstantial, right? It has to do with circumstances. But God has given you peace. And there's power in peace. Peace is not just this, this calm feeling of, you know, just nothing. Just nothing. There, there is such power. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in Hebrew it's shalom. Shalom, peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, complete. It's shalom, peace. It's for you to have the understanding that you have power over every demonic force that's trying to cause chaos in your life. That's what peace, shalom peace, is actually given us. 
totally different definition of peace. You think peace is calmness. Oh, no. It is not just calm. It is authoritative. It is definitely not just defense, but it's offense. You walk in this peace, but you have to have the mindset of, oh, because I'm here, Christ is here. Because I'm here, the shalom peace of God is here. Because I'm here, the chaos has to stop. Because I'm here, I issue a decree and it has to happen. And the enemy is under my feet and he doesn't get a chance to rise up again. That's what I'm talking about when I tell you peace. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he lives on the inside. But you have to guard. You have to guard it though. You have to take care of this temple. And you have to guard what God has given you because the enemy tries to steal what he, what the Lord has given you. So we guard it. We take care of this temple by saying, these are the things God has given me. He gives us only good and perfect gifts. Every good and perfect gift that comes from the Father. Amen. So I'm not going to allow a circumstance or anybody to rob me of my peace. And you all know it because there's been times where you have felt, you know, all of a sudden, what happened? Like, I don't know what happened. Like my peace is gone. I feel robbed of this peace. Well, let me tell you. Something, you know, the enemy came in somehow, brought up, you know, an individual to rob you of your peace. It could have been your own spouse. Could have been somebody very close to you. And a lot of times it is. But I'll tell you, it's still a choice on your end to stay in God's perfect peace. So I've got a couple of scriptures that I want to give to you about peace. And it says in Isaiah 26, 3, one of my favorite scriptures, you will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Years ago, God highlighted this scripture to me. And I realized that he is making a promise in this scripture here. He's saying that he says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. In other words, God's going to keep you, me, in not just peace, but perfect peace. That means there's nothing at all that is off or wrong. That means when you're going through one of the greatest storms of your life, there is the absolute power and potential for you to walk through it in perfect peace. Those minds who are steadfast. What's steadfast? Steadfast, that you are going to stand and remain no matter what. You're going to be immovable and unshakable. And there's a counter scripture that I wrote in my Bible. When the Lord highlighted that scripture to me years ago, there's a counter scripture that I wrote in my Bible, and I want to share it with you all as well. And it's Psalm 119, 165. Because not only is it perfect peace, but it's also great peace. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. So when you have, when you love God's law, when you love God's word, God promises to give you great peace. So let the peace of Christ rule. That word rule is like an umpire. He calls the shots. People are like, no, that is not what happened. I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. He did reach first base. And that umpire's like, nope. And then everything and everybody has to listen and believe what he said, even though everybody else saw a different thing. Let the word of God, you may say, no, that's not what I saw. No, that's not what I heard. No, that's not what I feel. Let the word of God be an umpire in your heart. This is what's going to rule. This is what's going to dictate. Nothing else. Amen? We have to. We must. That's how peace is supposed to rule in our heart. Be like an umpire. Let the word of God be an umpire in your heart. Amen.